The full episode is now available on Patreon and YouTube memberships. Please see the link in the description for more details. The next one here that's rumored to be in the writing pitching stage is The Hedge Knight, and I think The Hedge Knight has the second best or... I don't know, maybe the third best chance yeah. of being made. Yeah. And according to you, it's one of the best stories George yeah. has ever written. Word, word, word for word, for word the, the, um, the Duncan Egg stories are better than Ice and Fire. Like, word for word. Like, obviously, there's a lot more of Ice and Fire. But those three stories are really great. They're really great stories. Um, you know, I actually... I, we, I'm a weirdo. I really like The Sworn Sword the most of the three. But... Um, uh, I'm a little weird in that in that respect, but the uh, may, maybe I just like it because weirdly I think it was the first one I read. But um, yeah, they're 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 just they're they're good. It's good. It's great source material. It's great source material. It's great. They're good stories. They're just fucking good stories. For those of you who don't know, the Tales of Duncan Egg is basically centered around this one man, Duncan the Tall, who eventually becomes King's Guard to Aegon Targaryen the Fifth of his name. And uh, is just a legendary story. Duncan the Tall is also referenced in Game of Thrones, specifically season four, episode two. Joffrey kind of takes a shot at Jamie by saying, "Ah, oh, four pages for Sir Duncan," and uh, you know uh, looks to see Jamie's pages like, "Oh no, no pages for you, uh, Uncle." Uncle, Uncle, what happened to your uh, <laughs> your page? someone forgot to write down all the great deeds <laughs> and he goes there's still time but uh hedge knight i think this one has probably the best chance uh it'd probably be a limited yeah, series and i think it's the one it's the one that george is most excited about himself because it's his actual stuff that he wrote mm-hmm. you know he really loves the duncan egg stories you know and there it's, it's real writing it's real good writing it's not world building fire and blood stuff it's it's like real precious stuff mm-hmm. um and so i think george's would be you know very adamant about that i think they're great stories i think i think they would they would be great to put to put to screen i don't even think they'd be very expensive no they wouldn't um, um, you you have a lot of jousting stuff that would probably be where the most most expensive yeah. stuff comes but there's no dragons um so you save a yeah. bunch on cgi and of course with the anthology stuff the reason I say anthology would be great is because you get, like, new actors and actresses every episode or every season because mm. it has to be expensive. Right now, I'm sure Emma Darcy, they're probably not paying uh, Emma Darcy or, or, or uh, Matt Smith that much. But as the seasons go on, they become in demand. you got to pay them more to keep them around. Oh, With yeah. an anthology, you kind of save money on that. Kind of. So... That's true. And no, absolutely. With an anthology, you save money on that. The costs the to- the cost don't go up. Um the the nice thing about Dunkin Egg is that there's um only two main char- there's only two characters like that's you only have to pay two people yeah so. for the most part yeah <laughs> but uh no hedge knight yeah so i'm sorry go ahead no no i was like two people but then again if like you need those two people you can't do an actor change you can't have dario like swap that's out that's why you something. do a limited series like you don't cover all of the the adventures of, of the of the hedge and i have tales of duncan Egg. Yeah, yeah. limited series not bad well you know you, you you iron out those like contracts to start you don't uh you know you don't leave anything to chance uh, the next one here is, we've discussed this before, The Golden Empire. Once again, for those of you who don't know, Westeros slash Ice and Fire, the world of Ice and Fire, does have their own version of China, of ancient China. Um, and 
my argument is, what the fuck is the point in ancient China in Ice and Fire World when you can just do an ancient China show? One of my favorite shows of all time on Netflix is Marco Polo. I love Kublai. Mm in Marco Polo's. Literally, the show should have been about Kublai. Marco yeah, yeah. is the least interesting guy. Why do ancient China, fictional ancient China, just do actual real ancient China? What's... The, why? Like, who fucking cares? But... Okay, okay, okay. This this gets into, like, um... So... So, you, you know how there's, like, a difference between Mexican food and American Mexican food? You know, there's, there's like... there There's... They're almost completely different beasts. And it's mainly because, like, Americans like certain things, but they want to feel like they're eating something foreign. So you can, like, so you, like, mix it up and you, like, package stuff to people and make them think that they're eating. I think the best analogy for this would have been Chinese food, because I know for a fact that Chinese food in America is not the same as Chinese food in China. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a few dishes that are pretty, there's a few dishes that are similar, but yeah, you're not going to find, you're not going to find General Tso's. I was just thinking in, that. Or General, in, 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 in China, you, you'll find Kung Pao chicken, but like, you're not going to find General Tso's chicken. Like nothing's, nothing's deep fried um, in, in, China, in Chinese cuisine. They don't have deep fryers. Like, uh, but, um, but whatever the case, you've got California rolls, California rolls. Like we think of sushi, we think of California rolls in America almost first. And with avocados, like avocados and salmon. Salmon is not actually even a traditional Japanese like fish to mm. eat um, for sushi. Like that's not a sushi. That's not a sushi fish. Salmon. So like we think of salmon and avocado and stuff, and it's like that, that, that's that's like not sushi, you know. Like for like Mexican food, we think of like flour tortillas and melted cheese, and it's like, well, I mean, that's not what they're eating in Mexico, you know. Uh, you know, we we think of burritos. They don't eat burritos in in, in Mexico, really. You're telling you know? me that the Mexicans they, don't they, have they, a gordita they, crunch? They're missing out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like you can't find these things, especially even with Americanization, like. Taco Bell is popular in Mexico now, but like, it's like, come on, you know? Um, so it, it, yeah, no general so's chicken, which is like the American Chinese like dish that you're going to get. Right. So the, the idea is that like packaging of something is very important. You want they want to, you want to feel like you're eating Chinese food, even if you're not eating Chinese food, you want to feel like you're eating Japanese food. Even if you're not eating Japanese food, you want to feel like you're eating Mexican food, even though you're not eating Mexican food. So you want to feel like you're watching Game of Thrones, even if you're not watching Game of Thrones. Okay. They are, they are taking, that's like, we want to serve, you know, we want to serve you some, something about China. But, you know, you want to feel like they're watching Game of Thrones, so we're just going to package it as Game of Thrones and call it Game of Thrones. Well, my idea for... I mean, I mean that's kind of Andor. I don't know, you know? No, like... you're right about that. You're, 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 you're right, because that's... Yes, that's that. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. My idea for, for anything E.T. related, because we have almost nothing there, and why the... Hmm. Once again, the job of the spinoff and of the showrunners is to get you excited for this. Why would any Game of Thrones fans be excited for ancient China in the Ice and Fire world when all they know about Ice and Fire and what excites them is Targaryens, Lannisters, Dragons, the Iron Throne? We're going so far away from that you have to come like yeah something 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 that has absolutely zero influence <laughs> ex- on the story exactly like like 
if you put something in a shy, you could argue that, well, I got a couple of characters from a, you know, Melisandre's from a shy. Okay. At least I've got some connection because that's Melisandre's from. There's not a single character from E.T. There's no, I can't, I'm trying to think of a single plot point, a single item, anything that comes from E.T. Like what? Like I can think of a couple things from Lung, but that's like, (laughs) you know, but like, E.T.? Nothing. So... Right? And and this comes back to my, my point. Why are you going to go out of your way to do fictional ancient China when you can do actual real ancient China, which I would argue is way more interesting? But okay, yeah. let's say you want to do fictional ancient China. Cool. Why hire someone to write all this extravagant things for the Ice and Fire world when you can just make your own fictional ancient China show that has nothing to do with Ice and Fire? Because if you're going to do an ancient fictional Chinese show in the Ice and Fire world, hmm. you're going to have to play within those rules. Does Winter also come in this play in Yi Ti? Do, do they have yeah. like their own White Walkers or their own version of the White Walkers? La, 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 la. So there are some pros and cons to doing it in the Ice and Fire world. But at this point, just make your own like f- fictional fantasy show that has nothing to do with Ice and Fire and just have carte blanche to do whatever. Because once again, if the tagline of the show is China, like ancient China, but in the Game of Thrones world, what's going to keep people hooked in if there isn't anything familiar to Game of Thrones in there that they already like? Like, you know, Targaryens, dragons, Iron Throne, so on and so forth. So it just doesn't make any sense to me from a financial point or from a point just to get the audience excited, which should be the point of the spinoff. Yeah. Um, the next one I wanted to talk about is Snow, which we've already discussed before. Kit Harrington said nothing about it. Game of HBO didn't hint at anything in regards to the whole thing at Game of Thrones Con. So we don't know where this stands, but I think this has the best chance of getting adapted because people love Jon Snow. People love Jon Snow. And I would be most excited to see this because very rarely do we ever see uh, the continuation of the story. What happens after the fact? Think oh, yeah. of everything we've ever seen. Like, of course, I would have, you know, this is way before Disney bought Star Wars. Star Wars, for the longest time, if you wanted to find out what happened after episode six, you'd have to read books and comics and maybe a video game or two. But most people aren't going to do that. We never had in media what happens after episode six. Same with Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. We don't know what happens after Frodo leaves for the Undying Lands. So, um, so yeah, I know you're going to kill me. You're going to kill me. Um, as I explain, as, as I tell you this story, but um, I tried to start Better Call Saul and I kind of <laughs> like got bored and like didn't continue it. Um, the You know, the, the first few episodes were just, I don't know, hard for me to get into. And I was like also kept back on the fact that it's like I already know what Saul's doing. Um, but what I found the most fascinating and the thing I really watched were the were the black and white stuff of him continuing his story because that was new stuff. Um, so like the prequel aspect of it like bored me. Like I I really wanted to know what happens to Saul next, um, which you do. I I understand that like in the last season they do, uh, you do follow what happens to Saul at the at the end. But um, uh, you know Snow is like that. Like we're getting these prequel series, but we we all know where it's all going to end up. But with Jon Snow, we don't, you know, that there, there's something very alluring about that. I, I, I agree. By the way, I'm glad you brought you, up. You, you agree that those first episodes of, of Better Call Saul are hard, hard to get into? 
Dude, I got I got into like I got into it with someone in your comment section when you uploaded the podcast episode we did. Someone's like, Carmine, how dare you? How can you sit there and say Jimmy whole I'm gonna be honest with you, what really made that whole like series for me was everything but Saul. Uh Lalo, the fucking uh Nacho. Oh, sto- stories stories that you didn't know about. Exactly. Gus, like come on, how Gus builds his builds his empire and builds the lab and all this stuff. Like that's super Mike, all about Mike and his whole thing. That's super cool. Um, I love that stuff. Saul was the most the least interesting guy for for me in that show. So yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> We're getting so much flack. Um <laughs> We're getting so much shit. 